It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Thank you for joining me on this episode. I'm going to be sharing the heartwarming, encouraging, strengthening revelation of how God refers to his people as his beloved. I guarantee you this is going to change your life. First, I want to tell you about a night that almost ended my life. I was on the road about midnight in the mountains of West Virginia. This has been about 35 years ago, and I still remember it. I was coming back from a series of meetings I had preached at a church, driving to Tennessee, where my home is, and I was meditating as I was driving on John chapter 17, one of my favorite, all-time favorite passages of Scripture. It's the intercessory prayer that Jesus prayed over the church that would be birthed in the New Covenant era as a result of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. And as I was going in my mind through each line, there was one particular line that just penetrated my heart. And I want to share that with you. Um, It's the line where, well, he had already said, Father, the words you've given me, I have given them. And he said, I pray not only for these, referring to the disciples that were with him at that time. He said, I pray not only for these, but for all those who shall believe on me through their word. And then he said, Father, the glory that you gave me, I have given them. That means the presence of the Holy Spirit that was with him, the power, the anointing, And he said, the glory you've given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect in one. And then he said the most incredible thing. He said that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Wow. He said he wanted the world to know that you and I are just as beloved of the Father as he was, and we haven't figured that out yet. Or at least at that point, I had not come to that realization. And again, he was praying for the entire church of the New Covenant era. He said, I pray not only for these, but for all who will believe on me through their word. And listen, it was the word of the apostles and the early disciples passed all the way down to our generation that brought us into the kingdom of God. And he prayed these things over them. He said, I pray that they may be one, Father, just as we are one, I and them and you and me. Can you imagine that? He prayed that his oneness with the Father would be your oneness with the Father, absolutely one with the creator of the universe. He said, the glory you've given me, I have given them. That radiance, that presence of the Holy Spirit that was with him is with you. 
Praise God. He said that they may be made perfect in one. We are on a journey to perfection. God is perfecting you in little ways now through much suffering sometimes, but you're on your way to the resurrection when you will be made absolutely perfect. And all of these things, the oneness he had with the Father, the glory he had that he passed to us, and the perfection that he promises to bring forth in our lives was all for the purpose of letting it be known that you and I are just as beloved of the Father as Jesus, the firstborn son. Can you fathom that? Can you really wrap your mind around that? I know when it hit me, like I said, I was driving through the mountains of West Virginia and it was like fire shooting through my body. It was like a lightning bolt of intense joy. It was so overwhelming. I can't describe it in words. There's no way, but it was so overwhelming I just thoughtlessly, kind of oblivious to the fact I was on a mountain curve, I lifted my hands to God and started praising God for this magnanimous, merciful act of loving me to that degree and almost ran off the side of the mountain. Honestly, my right front wheel went off the road into the gravel. I started sliding. I could have easily gone down this steep mountainside, but it would have been a good time to die, you know, when you're realizing the depth of God's love for you. That would make it an easy transition. I'm glad that didn't happen that night. But I pray that that, that insight, just by itself, if I say nothing else in this podcast, that penetrate your life. I pray that that particular revelation will change your thinking, your image of yourself from this time forward. Quit beating yourself up. Quit putting yourself down. Quit uh, reminding yourself how wicked, how evil, how terrible some of your decisions in life have been. That's all under the blood. And when the blood of Jesus washes you clean, you're not just forgiven that sin is gone. Listen, I had a friend who went to Vietnam and it was the most tragic thing. He stepped on a landmine and it blew both of his legs off. I, I, I can't even imagine the horror of that. And I don't even like uh, transferring that to you in words that will strike your mind with that image. But can you imagine how painful, how horrifying it was to step on a mine and have both your legs blown off. I mean, how do you describe the misery that came after that? And I went to see my friend because I wanted to console him. And I walked in the room and sat down with him. and I couldn't say anything because everything I tried to say sounded hollow and it sounded like uh, it, it could not match the depth of the pain that he was suffering. There was no words that could ease that pain. And so for a long time, I just sat there silent, just with him, just letting him know he was loved. And then eventually I broke the silence. I thought of something I could say. And I asked him, I said, well, what's the worst thing that you face as a result of your accident? And he said, phantom pain. I said, I don't know what that is. What is phantom pain? He said, it's a trick of the nervous system. He said, where you feel intense, agonizing pain 
in the ankles or in the knees that are no longer there. And he said, I can't do anything about it. I can't massage my knee. It doesn't exist anymore. He said, I just have to sit there or lay there and endure it. It could last 30 seconds. It could last five or six minutes, but it's a trick in the nervous system. While he was talking, the most amazing insight hit me. See, he was experiencing pain over something that no longer existed. And I told him later on that our conversation had sparked this in my mind, and it, it really excited him too, that that's exactly what guilt is in the life of a believer who is beloved of God. He said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And if you're still experiencing misery, depression, discouragement, disheartened attitudes over something that happened a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, way back in your life of sin, and you're still miserable. You're allowing that to rob you of the present moment and the revelation of who you are in Christ right now. You know what's happening? It's not a trick of the nervous system. It's a trick of the devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, and all his demonic underlings have inherited that same objective to accuse you, uh, and uh, and they do a good job of it, reminding you of your past. Well, wait a second. If you're washed in the blood, the blood of Jesus does not just bring forgiveness to you. It blots sin out of existence. That means it's non-existent. Put it in modern day terms. It's like hitting the delete button and then emptying the trash bin where you can't even retrieve that file anymore. Come on now. Come on now, let's live in the love of God. You are God's beloved, and that's where I'm taking you on the rest of this podcast. Now, one scripture that really helps me see this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, that says, you and I are accepted in the beloved. Now, in my Bible, and I believe in most Bibles, uh, the word beloved is capitalized. It's capital B. It's a reference to the Son of God. And it says that we are accepted in the beloved or in Christ, in him, in Jesus, because of our connection to him covenantally. He is the head of the body and we are a part of the body. We are inseparably connected to him and we are in Christ. But that particular verse uses this phrase, we are in the beloved. Now, if we are in the beloved, we have inherited his beloved status the father who loves him is the father of creation who loves you. And that love is equal. But, uh, you know, one little word that hangs me up there is the word accepted. Ephesians 1.6 in the New King James Version says we are just accepted in the beloved. Well, that almost sounds like tolerated. And I don't want God to tolerate me. Or, or just accept me because he's obligated to. So I thought I would do today, right before I did this uh, podcast, I thought I'll do a search into the Greek and see what word is translated into the word accepted. And wow, I discovered a gold mine of revelation because the word translated accepted is karito'o. And it's related to the word charis. Charis is 
the word translated grace. But karito is an extreme, abundant, overflowing amount of grace. It's only found one other time in the New Testament. And that one other time was when Gabriel spoke to Mary and said, Hail you who are highly favored of God, highly favored of the Lord. The word translated highly favored is the same word, karito'o. And so when it says that you and I are accepted in the beloved, it doesn't mean you're barely tolerated by God who puts up with this stress that goes on in your life and the pressure of temptation and the sense of failure. He doesn't just tolerate you. You are highly favored of God. Mary was highly favored of God because the Son of God was in her womb for nine months. But you are highly favored of God because the Son of God is in your heart forever. That's an even greater degree of favor as far as I'm concerned. And of course, that came to Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the upper room with the rest of the disciples when they were born again. Now, the last thing I want to take you to is actually the scripture where we get this title for the children of God. We are referred to as his beloved in Romans 9, 25. God refers to his people that way. He says, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. And uh, that's a reference to Israel in a time when Israel was being uh, carried away into captivity by the Assyrians. They had lost their inheritance. Uh, they had been conquered by a, an enemy empire because of their sin. They had plunged into idolatry and gross disobedience and suffered the consequences. And God said, you, uh, in fact, it's all in the writings of the prophet Isaiah. You should read that book. That book is an amazing book because God told Hosea to marry a prostitute and have children by her. Now, if God gave you uh, a revelation like that, would you question it? Would the people around you question it? I guarantee you. But it was all going to be a picture of God's love for Israel how that even though Israel spiritually had prostituted herself with false gods and gone into the depths of sin, just like the prophet Hosea obeyed God and married this whorish woman, the Bible calls her, and then she went back into that lifestyle and he went and redeemed her in the slave market and brought her back home and had children by her. And those children were called uh, lo Ruhema, which means not having obtained mercy. Lo am I, which means not my people. And Jezreel, which means scattered, like a sore scattering seed. And it was all a lived out prophecy that that generation of Israelites would no longer be God's people, no longer be uh, beloved, and would be scattered in all the world because of the uh, conquering nation that came in. But then this awesome promise was given that there would come a time when God would bring forth the Messiah. And, and you'd have to read the whole book to really get the fullness of it. And that he would be the head of uh, the Israelite people and all the Gentiles. And in that day, uh, in Hosea's writings, he said, 
I will have mercy in Hosea 2.23. I will have mercy on who, her who had not obtained mercy. In other words, God's going to restore the Israelite people and bring them back. And then I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they shall say, you are my God. Now, when Paul repeated that in Romans, he said, I will call them my people who were not my people and her beloved who was not beloved. So God is talking about how he's going to restore Israel. But then Paul transposed that over into the new covenant. And he said, it's also about the Gentiles who are not the people of God under the old covenant, but through the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, God says, I'll call those who were not my people, I'll call them my people. And those who were not beloved, I'm going to call them beloved. And it's all because we inherit the status of being loved of the Father by the one who is the head of our life. He's the vine and we are the branches the same life sap that flows through the vine flows through the branches. The same glory, the same presence of God that was in the firstborn son is in you and I if we are born again. And that makes us loved of God with an everlasting love. That's absolutely phenomenal. Nothing can separate you from that love. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And I just pray for you right now that this insight of being the beloved of God, being in his bride, his beloved, it will cast out fear. I pray in the name of Jesus that right now, Father, you will cast out fear, that you will cast out depression, that you will cast out discouragement, self-condemnation, and guilt. These things that we remind ourselves of, let us remind ourselves now that they were washed away by the blood and they no longer exist as far as you're, you're concerned. You said in Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31 through 34, you were going to bring forth a new covenant. And in that new covenant, you said their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God, if you don't remember them, help us not to remember them and just go on with our lives and walk in love. Not only love toward others, but walk in the love that God has toward us. Let it be so in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And listen, I urge you to go to my website, shreveministries.org, order a copy of Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ, and go into the depth. There's so much I didn't cover in this podcast of what it is to be God's beloved, but you can dig into it deeper by getting the book. And also, I urge you to uh, subscribe to our other podcast that is all about comparative religion called Revealing the True Light. And uh, that podcast will explore world religions and comparative religion subjects that will make you better able to communicate this gospel of the love of God to a hurting world around us. God bless you. Thank you very much for being with me today. And I look forward to our next session. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. 
You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be. 